Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Crillo. Today, we have Vic Raya. He is a Georgetown-trained doctor. He retired from medicine when he was 40 and has since raised $65 million for his deals and currently controls over $350 million worth of real estate. So thank you so much for being on the show, Vic. Thanks, Charles. Really excited, man. So you have a very interesting background. Can you give us a little bit of uh, a taste of your background, both personally and professionally, before getting involved in real estate investing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, my whole thought process growing up was, you know, I've come from a, a you know, a stable middle-class family, but what I noticed was my parents always fought about money, Charles. And mm -hmm. that's one thing I was like, all right, when I grow up, I want to <laughs> figure out this money thing. Cause I don't want to, you know, I want to have peace of mind. I want to make everyone happy around me. And, and so I don't know, it sort of drove me. So, um, in, in the typical Indian family uh, household, you know, you're either a doctor, engineer, or you're a loser. So <laughs> I, I, I was sort of like, all right, this medicine thing seems interesting. I want to definitely get into it. And something very interesting happened, Charles. Uh, seven people in my family died of heart attacks. And I was like, oh my God, uh, I need to learn this actually. This is not just something like I should do. I need to do this too. Not only protect my family, but people all over the country. I mean, in the world, this is the number one killer, you know, out there. So, you know, and I had a passion for it. So, you know, I, I, I studied, worked my tail off, you know, got into medical school and, and to be honest with you, nothing in life has been easy, Charles. It's been more, it's not that I'm the most gifted, the brainiac, the highest SAT score, none of that. It's always been more phenomenal will versus phenomenal skill. Um, but, uh, and that served me well. And, and, and it serves me even to this day in real estate, but, uh, I got to medical school then, you know, uh, I, I got into training. I went to Georgetown and I started uh, doing my intro medicine. Then I, I went out to Milwaukee to do my fellowship in cardiology. And I was like, Oh my God, this is the Holy land. This is it. I'm ready to go. And then what I noticed was all my attendings, all these doctors who I looked up to, they were just crushing themselves, working like 80, 90, 100 hours, insane hours, and all for like the sake of, you know, trading dollars for hours. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I thought this was, the, you know, the end game. And so I, at that point, I was like, maybe I need to have something else on the side. And this is commonly known, as we all know, as the side hustle, right? This is the origin of my side hustle. I'm like, all right, what can I do? And Charles, this is what I did. I was like, all right, um, I... I never hired a coach before. I've never invested in myself, but I was like, all right, uh, let me learn about options. And so I actually got an options coach and learned about options trading. It was okay for the first couple of weeks. And then, you know, I started losing. And then, you know, also it was taking a lot of time out of, I was a newly married. I was in a cardiology fellowship that, which was highly competitive and busy. And I was trying to be an options trader. I'm like, something's got to give. And so I'm like, you know what? options. This is for the birds. I'm, I'm done with this. And so I let it go. But the, the thought that, Hey, look, how do I diversify income still, still kept with me. And I know many of your listeners, whether they're in Peru, Japan, Israel, you know, anywhere international or all your U S listeners that you you've cultivated, they're asking the same thing. What, how do I create that financial free freedom 
apart from my main gig that I've, you know, I've sort of fallen into. And so that was my, the question I asked. And then obviously one of the books that probably is the most quoted in all, all podcasts out there, rich dad, poor dad came about. Right. And, and it, it turned on some light bulbs, cash flow quadrant, the second version of that, the book uh, turned on even more light bulbs. And I was like, all right, maybe real estate, I can understand it. It makes sense to me. Let me go after that. And so I started doing real estate, you know, on the side a little bit and, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, uh, I've heard some, you know, there's like men out there, you know, that they don't come straight home after work. They, you know, they do philandering or, you know, they do whatever they do. So, so my wife's like, Hey, how come you're always working late? And, you know, I, I, I am sure I understood her suspicions, but really what I was doing is was I was, instead of, after I got done with my cardiology job, day nine to five, I was going to the real estate investment association and clubs mm-hmm. and playing cash flow board game. Mm-hmm. I was learning about wholesaling and single family homes and flipping and, and then coming home. And then, you know, I said, babe, I'm going to start a real estate company. She's like, are you crazy? And so, and so to cut a long story short, I, I started doing single family homes. And so that was the start of my real estate career. Awesome. Awesome. Is it just on a tangent here? I was talking to one of my uh, financial advisor friends and he was telling me, and we're, we're talking and usually doctors are, are really terrible investors. Is that, do you see that that comes through like uh, it with, with when you were in practice or anything like that? I mean, they're so educated. I think it's very difficult for them to review different deals and they be, I don't know. It, have you found anything like that with people, with doctors that you've worked with? You know, Charles, you're absolutely right. And I'm guilty of it myself. Like it's because, you know, it's a double-edged sword. You're highly skilled. You, you've gone through a ton of training. You know how to analyze a lot of process and details, but you also think that, Hey, look, if I'm good at surgery, maybe I'm good at real estate. If I'm good at surgery, maybe I can buy a a medical complex, complex or office building, you know, and it's, it's that fallacy of thinking that sometimes gets people in trouble. Yeah. So Robert Kiyosaki says the best, it's not the investments that's risky. It's the investor. Mm. And so the lack of pre-education, mm-hmm. the lack of consistent knowledge base of one specialized area is what dooms many investors mm. and physicians are, are, are not immune to that. Uh, no pun intended there. Yeah. So, so, uh, but here's the cool thing. I'm so proud of this next generation of physicians that I've been seeing. I've been seeing a lot of people who are not like, you know, the typical, uh, he's a 95 year old gentleman in a white coat, you know, with a little hammer tapping on someone's knee. I mean, those physicians don't exist anymore. We have these savvy investors, savvy physicians. People are starting wealth funds while they're practicing. There, there is a whole new realm, new breed of physicians that are becoming physician investors, physician activists, physician entrepreneurs. And um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of proud to be part of that, that group. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, it's great to hear that. So tell us about your first, you were getting into it before I took us on that tangent. Uh, tell us about your, how you got started in real estate. When you started that company and your wife thought you were crazy, what was it? What were you doing? Sure. Um, so, you know, I just did it because, Hey, I just wanted to you know diversify. I wanted to have something else going on and, you know, I'm, I've, I've had this entrepreneurial spirit. And so I want to do something beyond you know, medicine. And so I thought, you know, single family homes is a good way to get started. I tried wholesaling way too time intensive. Didn't work for me, that strategy. And for those people who don't know what that is, is essentially getting a deal under contract and flipping that deal to uh, 
uh, a rehab or someone else who will then buy it and then, you know, do the full execution on the deal. And then, you know, from what you get under contract for to what you sell it for, there's a little bit of a spread, whether it's 5,000, 10,000, 15,000. So I, it, it's a great strategy if you have a lot of free time, which I didn't. Um, then I started, okay, I want to invest in Northern Virginia, DC. That's where I live, but it was just too expensive for me. And my wife gave me a stipulation. You're not allowed to use any money from your our income to invest. So now I had to raise capital or I had to get a partner or something because I'm not allowed to use my own money. I'm like, great. And I have an LLC and the LLC has no track record. So no bank is willing to lend to it. Yeah. So these are the problems that most investors have, you know, uh, whether you, you know, even if you're not a high income earner, this is a normal problem. So I had to be creative. And I'll tell you this, Charles, everyone thinks, Hey, you know, all these stories you hear of these investors, they're crushing it. You, you might have heard my bio. I'm like, Oh, this guy has $330 million. Oh man, this guy, he, it was probably easy for him or he, someone taught him how to do everything. Well, I, I went online, I searched, um, uh, invest accredited investors. And then this guy was selling a list of accredited investors. So I bought the list for like 39 99. And then there were investors like Mr. Green and Mr. White, and Mr. Blue. I was like, Oh, this is sort of weird. <laughs> and then you, I, I actually reached out to this guy, Mr. White. And, um, it was mixed with a bunch of real names too. So it was not just like all, but it was like, uh, he was like, yeah, if you, uh, wire me some funds through Western union, <laughs> Um, I will wire you the funds for your first investment deal your real estate apartment, uh, the single family home you look at looks very promising. I'm like, Oh, this is great. So I wired him like, I think a thousand dollars. Oh, wow. And I mean, so, so I got scammed. I got beat up. I, you know, all the stupid stuff that's potentially could happen has happened, but I stuck with it. I bought a $26,000 home in Atlanta where my dad lived. Because I needed someone on the ground there, and he has—he's an engineer, so he had real estate experience. And so we ended up selling it three years later for seventy-eight thousand dollars. Then I was like, "All right, this is amazing. I, I, I'm hooked." So we had, we grew a portfolio of thirty uh, single-family homes, bought a strip mall. Twenty fifteen, I, I met one of my—he's uh, uh, a buddy of mine, and he was doing a little bit of real estate. I was doing real estate, but not not at the real big scale. We're like, "Hey, let's." come together and form a multifamily company to, to uh, buy multifamilies. You go, he goes, you mean like a hundred unit? No way. That, no one does that except big companies. Are you crazy? And I'm like, no, I just got, I, I just went to this lecture and webinar. I heard this guy. He said he's, he does it. He has something called syndications. I was like, what is that? It sounds like an illegal syndicate. It sounds like something illegal, a crime syndicate. I'm like, no man, it's like raising capital from investors and buddies. So we, our first deal was in 2015. We brought a lot of these doctors who are, who are, you know, they're smart enough to know that they don't, they know what they know. And they also know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And they, they trusted us because we had shown some success in real estate. So they in, invested with us and we JV'd on a deal. Mm -hmm. And we're like, wow, we get paid at acquisition. We get paid, you know, cash flow. And, you know, th this is like much better than the stock market. It's more safe. I love passive investing. So, we did that for a couple of deals. And we're like, you know what? Why are we going through a middleman? Why can't we be like Harborside and just do the deal ourselves? Mm -hmm. So we're like, all right, let's do this. And so we formed Viking Capital, which is our multifamily investment company. And now we're what we've done six and a half, about six, six and a half years later, we've done our 14th acquisition, which was in January, Charles. And it was a 380, uh, I'm sorry, 368 unit, uh, $53 million deal uh, in Atlanta, which we bought from a, a REIT. So um, 
we've grown our business. We've grown our team. We have, I think 10, 10 people on, on the Viking capital banner now. And, um, you know, we've raised like about close to almost 70 million. And, uh, we look to double that array amount of raise this year as we try to take down eight deals. So, wow, that is, that's fantastic. You're doing eight deals for this year for 2021. Absolutely. Oh, wow. One down seven to go. Awesome. Awesome. So prior to retiring from medicine, how did you fit in both your career and your real estate investing career? Yeah, I, I think that's a, it's a delicate balance. Uh, you really have to have time management really uh, dialed in a little bit. Uh, the other thing is you have to give up the sleeping in thing. <laughs> so uh, I became a student of the 445 club, right? So uh, 4, 4, 5 a.m. I've been getting up for almost a decade now, and it allows me at least one, two, three extra hours a day that most people don't have. It allows me to, uh, and the thing is, it's not because I'm just going to go straight into underwriting or looking at deals or talking to brokers or doing, you know, some analysis or something like that. It's like I have, I work on myself. So I'm, I'm, I'm working out most days of the week. I'm, I'm meditating, I'm journaling, I'm doing all that, you know, uh, sort of that, the, sort of the inner game mm-hmm. that allows my outer game to excel. And, and, um, and also, you know, what's gets scheduled gets done. So my schedule is actually mapped out. Like sleep is put in there, like hanging out with kids is put in there, hanging out with my wife. So people think, Hey, that's anal. That's, that's really, that's really strict. Uh, but, uh, you know, Jocko Willing says discipline equals freedom. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what we're trying to do by having this discipline. I can decide to take two weeks off and go to, uh, you know, I was invited to Costa Rica to speak at a, at a conference down there. And, you know, I, I had it where it didn't, I didn't skip a beat in any, any of the companies I was running. So if you create a schedule and you create a plan and you create your goals, your one, three, five, 10 year goals, you know, one my, my goal at 32 was I want to retire by the age of 40. And if I'm still practicing cardiology by the age of 40, something went terribly wrong. I told myself that I told my wife that and she thought I was crazy. And I told my friends that they thought there's no way. And it actually before my 40th birthday, uh, the income from real estate was so significant that I, I felt comfortable, you know, backing off on cardiology. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a great goal. That's uh, and that's great that you in brought in scheduling. I mean, that's something that I've done really brought into my personal scheduling is, um, is really time blocking over the last few years that has been, incredibly successful for me where you just sit off and doesn't have to be like, Oh, four hours for this. It can be like an hour. It can be an hour and a half. And if you do it consistently and you set it consistently, it's amazing how much you can get done, uh, like chipping away at something as you're, uh, as you're going. So that's, that's something great for listeners. And I want to share with your listeners, some of the tools, because uh, again, a lot of podcasts are great. Uh, a lot of good information. You hear people's stories, but uh, how does that apply to them? How, how can they use what they listen to today to 10x their life, right? So one of the things I like to use is something called the Productivity Planner. It's by a company called Intelligent Change that you can buy on Amazon. It's like 20 bucks or something. It, it, it's great because um, it, it, it forces you to say, hey, what's the extreme Pareto principle? What's the one thing that if I do that, everything else is unnecessary or not needed because... Mm-hmm. I'll have moved the needle so much. And so it forces you to write down only, it, it gives you slots for five things, but it says, try to, what's the one thing that if you did that, everything else is even, uh, it's a moot point. Number two is uh, I, uh, I try to work in, in, in windows of 25 minutes or 30 minutes or like an hour at a time. Mm. And during that 
hour, you cannot divide that hour. You cannot go check Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You cannot go use the restroom. You're, you're locked in and working on that one singular task. And so multitasking, as we know, is a myth. Mm. Uh, it's hard to multitask. It's actually inefficient to multi multitask. So uh, lasering on one task and then going to completion is the key. And again, let's say you have a list of 30 things, guys, if you're listening to this, and all 30 things are sort of important, rank them in the order of one to 10. What's going to, one, one through 30 or whatever, what's going to get me to my goal quicker? And once you know what's going to get you to your goals quicker, then you give that task highest priority and sort of uh, finish that task before you go on to the next task. And, and then even if you need to carry it over to the next day, it's rather still focusing on that task. And then, you know, Tim Ferriss says this, how do you know the task that needs to be completed the most? It's the one you're scared about to do or you're procrastinating on the most. Mm, yeah. That's uh, that's truth right there, right? That's something. Yeah, it's it's a lot of those great uh, from the eighty twenty with Pareto, the eighty twenty book. That's one of my my favorite books of all time. And then the also is um, one thing. So kind of those two books for increasing your efficiency and your productivity are kind of faint. They're game changers and they're fantastic for you to uh, for your personal life and then also for your business life. I found. And um, I want to share with your listeners who are obviously into real estate. Look, um, there's so many different uh, flavors of real estate. There's single family, there's multifamily, there's commercial, like uh, retail space, there's uh, medical office, there is office in general, there is um, industrial self-storage and uh, mobile home parks. You know, those are, those are the big categories out there. And then there's all over like, you know, buying notes and things like that. Um, everyone thinks that you need to start with multifamily and I mean, single family, and then go on to whatever the next thing is. There's no rule set rule. Choose an asset class that either you have a mentor in, choose an asset class that maybe you have access to, or you have unfair advantage in and go after that asset class, but try to master one asset class before you go to too many others. I, I see a lot of people dabbling in this and this and this, and I'm, I'll be guilty of it too. Like, uh, three years ago, the CBD thing was a craze, you know? And, um, you know, even though we are pretty much multifamily investment firm, you know, we're like, oh, should we do a CBD uh, project? Do, do I need to buy into this hep farm? And, you know, or, or should, I, should I focus on crypto and then go back to multi? And, you know, it, the key is, look, there's so many shiny objects that are yeah. focused on the asset class that you have the most success with or you're very good at or you're very attracted to and you're willing to put the time, energy and effort and master that. Once you master that, and if you want to diversify, then then so so do it. Yeah, that's awesome. The other thing too is that is uh, the shiny penny and shiny object. Anything is um, with what we are now with social media and uh, your phone and everything beeping and chiming every second. It just makes it even harder. Because I'm oh wow, I someone tells me I made all this money with crypto or something like this, and you've been working for a year and a half learning the multifamily business, and uh, now you you want to change positions and go somewhere else. You know what I mean? And uh, I think that's something that comes up for all entrepreneurs, and especially with so many different asset classes. Because you hear people, oh, I started multifamily. Then I went to self storage. Then I went here. Well, that person mastered multifamily. Then they went over here and they started doing deals here. And maybe they still do deals back here. But it's something where you know focus is power and knowing where you want to go and um, having a plan to get there and then spending time to do it consistently. Absolutely, man. That, that's that's exactly the keys to the kingdom right there. So Vic, so, say someone is currently working full-time and wants to start investing in real estate. What would you suggest to them? 
um, figure out one asset class that they want to invest in and, and really learn about it and then become a very good passive investor. And what I mean is elevate yourself from a passive investor to even a sophisticated investor. So, uh, you know, there's like, uh, people talk about these levels of investing. So level one investors, essentially they're not investor. They're, you know, they're essentially in debt level two investors. Okay. Hey, I'm starting to throw some money into stocks, stocks and mutual funds, but I really have no idea what I'm doing. Level three investors, okay, I'm studying, I'm understanding, and I have some kind of business system or plan, I'm investing somewhere. A level four investor is a smart investor. They they have, maybe they invest in like five syndications. They really understand the syndication game, or they're really into self-storage, or they're really into you know, some asset class, and they, they're learning enough to where they're asking the sponsors of the deal really good questions, and they're vetting them out. And eventually, you wanna be like what me and you are, Charles. We're level five investors, we're capitalists we actually create the investment that other investors invest into. Mm-hmm. We we're the ones who file with the SEC saying, Hey, we're, we're, we're securities now. So that's uh, the level of investments. And, and, and I encourage our, our, your listeners to sort of rise up that ladder. We all start at the bottom and we work mm-hmm. our way up. So choose an asset class, become very good at it and become what I call a sophisticated investor where not only are you accredited and you can, you have the, financial green light or a uh, stamp of approval to invest, but you actually become very uh, sort of a mini master of it and you understand it all. You know, I have friends who all they do is invest in ATMs, mm-hmm. ATM funds. I have friends who just do industrial. So figure it doesn't matter what you choose, find something that is really appealing to you. <clears throat> and right now, if I could just speak a little bit on um, econ- economic cycles, uh, the two asset classes that have done the best during the pandemic are industrial mm-hmm. and uh, multifamily. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you why I know this, because I used to compete with maybe 15 groups for a deal. I just uh, was on a best and final deal in Tampa. And there's 50 groups competing for that deal. It was a 360 unit deal, 50 offers. They cut it down to 30. And now in best and final, there's, I think, tw- like 20, and then there's going to be another best and final, there'll be 15. So it, it's, it's ludicrous. What's happening is all this money from other, other places mm-hmm. dumping into multifamily. So yeah, just something to think about. Yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. I mean, these areas, these hot areas are just blowing up and we've, we've lost out on best and final um, on another property. We were looking at it about two weeks ago. So it's back to the drawing boards on that. But um, so for the mindset of going from a W2 employee to a real estate investor, um, what would you suggest someone to do other than read rich dad, poor dad? Right. Um, so the goal guys is to go from your W2 to a K1. That's always the goal. Mm-hmm. You want to go from taking your earned income and converting that to portfolio and passive income. How do you do that? First, if you're accredited, you have a lot more options. If you're not accredited, don't worry. I'll still give you some options right now. There's things like yield street. These are like crowdfunding websites where you can actually invest a fraction amount into these deals and start earning passive income today or probably by the end of the week. So fundrise yield street. Those are the two ones I know, uh, crowd street. Um, I think realty mogul, there's a, you know, a couple of them out there. So they have optionalities where you can invest just like a stock. You can invest, you know, a thousand dollars, $5,000 into real estate. That's for yielding passive income and, and, and things like that. Next, if you want to start thinking about maybe owning your own home, 
consider uh, key, uh, turnkey investing. There's companies out there that essentially, uh, they for, for a nominal fee, they'll pre-screen houses that are ready to go turnkey. They already have a tenant in place. You have to just provide the down payment. They even have the a lending uh uh, set up too. So now you have a single family home that's earning a certain yield and you own it. So you're actually becoming an investor. And so that's another way of, go- of going about it. The other way is uh, maybe partnering or JV, you know, um, you can, in a syndication, you can be a limited partner, but if you have, let's say you have a, a good amount of net worth, maybe you can help sponsor a deal. There are a lot of people out there that are very smart and they know real estate, but they don't have a net worth. And so you have the net worth, you can give that to them, you know, um, uh, and also this, obviously, again, education, um, meetups, real estate meetups are a great place to learn about different real estate opportunities, uh, webinars, um, real RIAs, real estate investment association meetings, um, conferences, like going to multifamily conferences and learning about either investment opportunities or learning about, you know, how to learn the, the, the business side of it, if that's, if that's your interest. So in this day, and, and then for people who are probably less into multi, but more into single family homes, I, I still think bigger pockets. It's such a great resource mm-hmm. for sort of a base level education. It's essentially Facebook for real estate. And it really will get you to sort of that sophisticated level in most real estate asset classes. Yeah. And they have sections on that website for pretty much every type of asset class and um, all different and every type of strategy too, for purchasing, renting, managing it, whatever else you're doing. But um, awesome. So what mistakes do you commonly see real estate investors make? Uh, Waiting to get started and waiting to waiting to make their first mistake. (laughs) Um, Mistakes are the tuition for greatness. Yeah. So uh, you got to get out there. You got to get the, and the key is if you study enough and you, the, the goal, we're all going to make mistakes. I don't care how many books you've read mm-hmm. and how many podcasts you listen to, or, you know, what conference you've been to. The key is the, the smart investors make small mistakes. The, the stupid investors are the ones who are uneducated, make big mistakes. That's yeah. the thing. So, uh, you know, I've made, made mistakes in multifamily, but in my worst deal, I'm going to give my investors maybe a 10, maybe 12% return. But, you know, uh, and it was great because, yeah, I wish I could give more. But in that one deal, I learned so much that my next seven deals have been, you know, off the route profitable, you know, yeah. so off the charts profitable. So you learn so much from these things. But if you want, don't want to make mistakes, then uh, then what you'll do is you can exchange the price of paying a mistake for the price of paying for a coach or a mentor or a course or conference. Because what happens is, is you're shortening your learning curve, but what then happens is you'll make higher quality mistakes later on, because at some point you out, you outlearn the mentor or the coach, and then you have to keep moving forward. So, uh, it's okay to make mistakes. One, learn from them Two, uh, minimize the size of the mistake and three, um, never make the same mistake twice. And again, shorten the learning curve with using coaches, mentors, or, 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 or people who've already been there, done that. Awesome. That's fantastic advice. So as we're finished up here, what do you think are the main factors that have contributed to your success? Yeah. Uh, my top five are this. Uh, you have to learn beyond what you've been taught in school, right? So my education started after I finished all my training. <laughs> uh, <laughs> learning real estate was a key uh, piece of uh, instrumentation. Now, next was uh, being an, an insatiable reader, right? Uh, my, my, sorry about that. Uh, being an insatiable reader, um, 
and, and using Audible. So any free time I have, uh, I'm, I'm leveraging that and, and learning while I'm doing something else, whether it's working out, whether it's walking, whether it's doing things. Next is uh, uh, marketing. This is something that most people don't know, learn, or, or think they don't need to know. But becoming a thought leader, learning how to market, learning podcasting, learning, uh, learning how to raise capital from investors, uh, engaging uh, brokers, learning how to become you know, a leader in your industry is, is, is super crucial. And it's not taught in school. Yeah. So you have to learn how to become a really good marketer. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the final thing is a resilient mind mindset. It's really knowing that, look, um, every couple of months, you're going to come up across uh, a seemingly impossible wall, but realize it's not a wall. It's just a plateau. And every time you think you're hitting a wall, just realize it's not a vertical wall. It's just a horizontal plateau mm. that you have to just go through. And when uh, you do that, you're going to be, you know, uber successful. Uh, that's fantastic advice. I love the marketing because uh, if I ever speak to anybody that doesn't know what they're going to go to college for, I said, just go for marketing. I mean, you're never going to have a problem bringing more business, uh, bringing more business, more sales into your business or into someone else's business and trying to get a job from them. So. Absolutely, man. So uh, before we finish up here, I, I just want to kind of circle back one thing we forgot. You had this thing about the freedom and it was really cool that we were talking about before we hit uh, record here. And uh, can you go into that? Your, the, uh, I think it was the five different parts of freedom that you consider. Sure. Uh, here, here's sort of like my new uh, sort of creed for life, uh, uh, Charles. It's, it's, uh, it's these, uh, you know, I think freedom is what we all really want, right? We want money. Yeah, I get it. We want to be happy and all that, but it's really just being able to do what you want, how you want, when you want. Right. So I, I've broken it down to some, what I call the five freedoms. And on top of that, I have another sort of litmus test that sort of guides me on whether I should do something or not. And I'll share with your guests. <laughs> so it's really freedom is broken down to I, what I consider, you know, time freedom, the freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. And that's very hard to do. I know millionaires and probably even billionaires who do not have time freedom. So you want to have that. Next is geographic freedom. And this has been amplified by the pandemic. <laughs> We're at a juncture in life where if you play your cards right, you can essentially work from anywhere in the world, whether you're in the Maldives, in Greece, whether you're in Nashville, it doesn't matter if you can have a computer, an internet, a Zoom connection, a phone, you can operate your business from anywhere but can have you built your business up to do that? Next is financial freedom. I, I think it's absolutely important that we all attain a, a sense of financial freedom where most of things in life are essentially taken care of. And now we're going after, you know, big things for the sake of it. We're going after big charitable uh, goals where we're, we're, you know, we're trying to help people around us. We're, we're trying to live these magic experiences in life. I think it's more about experiences at that point, because after your fourth Mercedes and your fifth million dollar home, are you really going to be that in intrigued by all that? No, you want, you know, shark diving, you want to, you know, hot air balloon rise. You want to have like, you know, wine and Napa. You want to do those kind of things. Next is health freedom. I, I can't tell you how many people I come across who are wealthy or successful, but they're bloated, they're fat, they have gas, they have bloating, they have cancer, they have a heart attack, they have blood pressure problems, and that's that's not okay. So I think you should start anti, work on anti-aging. You should have like a sort of a vitality. Uh, you should sort of work on your health span and your lifespan. And and if you build that into your routine, that will amplify all your other goals. 
And then finally, it's sort of a freedom from stress and have sort of this bulletproof mindset. And the word I like to use, Charles, is equipose. Literally nothing can phase you. Like, okay, I lost that on four deals. No worries, man. My, 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 my wife's so beautiful. My kids are, they love me. They give me a hug still when I come home and my parents are still alive. Thank God. And you know what? I'm going to go after seven more deals. And in fact, I'm going to, I'm going to blitz them. I'm going to preempt offer all good. So like it's, it's nothing can really phase you. And like for any time a door closes, you know, that seven more are going to open. So having that kind of mindset. So I call these the five freedoms. And the final thing as a bonus is this guys, life is too damn short and you should really think of it as either life is a hell yes, or life is a hell no. So it, should you want to hang out with that friend that you don't really hang, uh, normally like, and the wife is annoying and it's going to probably ruin your whole evening. That's a hell no. Even though you could go and just be kind and just, just do it for the sake of appearances. You don't have that much life left. You don't. So do things that are really going to intrigue you. And if they're not, if they're sort of half, half, that's considered, that's sort of a no, that's a nice way of saying no. So if you do more of this litmus test, if things, things should be either a hell yes. And if they're not, they're automatically a hell no. Yeah. I love it. I love it. The, the older I get, I always say that, um, the more freedom is important to me versus, uh, the money, you know what I mean? Having the freedom and being able to do what you want, where you want, when you want with who you want is, uh, is really why I'm in this business. And it sounds the same way for you, Vic. That's awesome. Charles, man. Thank you so much, man. This has been, this has been awesome. So before you go, how can our learner, uh, how can our listeners learn more about you and your business? Sure. All the usual channels. I'm on Instagram at Vikram.raya, but I'm also uh, at Viking.capital and also uh, uh, our website for Viking Capital is VikingCapLLC.com. Okay. I will put all those links into the show notes. So thank you so much for coming on Vic and looking forward to uh, meeting up with you once we start traveling again. Cheers, Charles. Awesome. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hi guys, it's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars, LLC, exclusively.